What's up, Rebels? I'm Ryan Dobson. We've got another great program for you today. Before we start, have you joined in our year-end campaign? We are closing in on the year-end, and we are raising a little bit of money so we can go into 2018 full force, ministering to marriages and parents everywhere. You can do so by going to our website, rebelparenting.org. Click on the Donate tab or rebelparenting.org slash donate. Today's program is with Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke. You may have seen Jefferson on YouTube. He's got about 700,000 subscribers and millions and millions of views of his spoken word. The two of them are doing videos now. They've got a book called Love That Lasts. And one of the reasons why I love this book is because it talks about one of my favorite subjects, and that is family of origin. Jefferson and Alyssa come from very, very, very different upbringings and backgrounds. And that, as a lot of you know, and maybe you don't, you will now, that can cause some problems. That can cause some friction because I was raised one way, Laura was raised another way, and so we naturally do things differently, and they talk about that. I think millennials, uh, and they believe that sometimes we have this warped view of this uh, amazing, you know, kind of fairy tale uh, romance that's going to happen in our in our marriages, and it's not always that way. They present such a great, realistic view of marriage and a way to obtain a great one. I can't wait for you to hear that. So without any further ado, let's jump into this program today with Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Jeff and Alyssa, thank you for being on the broadcast today. It's such a treat. I've been watching your videos forever, Jeff, and uh, so many of our, our listeners have. I don't know if all of our listeners know you, Alyssa. Can you talk about a little bit about your upbringing and then meeting Jeff and kind of how those two worlds mesh together? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having us tonight or today, this morning, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I grew up, I'm an only child, grew up in Washington and in a home where both my parents um, are married and have a great marriage and love Jesus. Um, so I grew up in the church and started to really walk with God when I was 15, right before high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jeff and I, we actually went to the same high school, but met on our prom night, but just like real quickly. Um, and then we didn't meet again until after I was done with college um, at our really good friend's sister's wedding. And before that, he had like hit me up on Facebook and I was like, I don't even know who this kid is. I don't know why he's messaging me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He started sliding those DMs yeah. like, hey, what's happening there? Listen, what's going on? You're like, I don't know you. Totally. Yeah. We met one time. You're you know, hitting me up here. Yeah. Right. And so, um, but we met at a wedding and just really hit it off. And um, I knew he was really something special when we first started talking. So, yeah, that's kind of just the really, really quick version of me. Yeah. And Jeff, what was your upbringing like? What was your background and world like? So everything she said, the opposite of. Um, <laughs> no, but it, uh, jokingly, it is kind of true, though. So, yeah, uh, separated in the church, like my, but I was raised with a single mom, you know, on welfare, Section 8, food stamps. Dad mm-hmm. was around, but it was more the like every other weekend custody thing. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, grew up, you know, in poverty and a harsher environment. My parent, parents never were married all of that. But we still, my mom uh, still took us to church. So I had, I, I went enough to definitely know the culture and mm. know like what I needed to do to be good and all these things. But, um, at home it was definitely, um, the polar opposite story of kind of what just Alyssa just said. So yeah, those, that's why it's what we talk about in the book is, um, because of our stories, uh, I think there's at least there's, there's someone can relate to either of us in the book. Right. But then on top of that, I also think it was a cool, Thing that the Lord kind of the, the heart of the book is we kind of argue for this third way of relationships where we kind of talk about 
man, I was raised in this more kind of prodigal son context of just no one was really teaching me, no dad to tell me what was right, what was mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. And sure. so I just kind of did what felt good, what looked good, you know, what smelled good, kind of just a slave to the five senses. And then Alyssa was over here more in the little bit more conservative religious side of things. And then she saw some, some, um, things that maybe weren't the best in that either, whether that was purity culture or kissing, dating, goodbye and stuff like that. And so then we kind of advocate for this third, <laughs> way, this third way in the middle of like, yeah, G- it's Jesus, but it's a, a Jesus that where the rules are full of intimacy and life and beauty. And so, mm. yeah, that's, uh, uh, but that's our stories. Well, let's dive into that third way since we're already here. Can we just tease that out? <clears throat> yeah, I yeah. think the, the analogy I think of is like, I mean, I think the obvious people obviously usually get the prodigal son context of like, right. Um, that, that's a poor choice. Uh, uh, we buy the lie that that the culture is going to give us what we desire and it's going to <laughs> satisfy us. And mm. and so we go after that. We drink, you know, it's kind of like drinking toilet water, I say, where like, yeah, it's going to satisfy you if you're in a desert. But if you're at home, you know, in your house, you don't go drink out of the toilet. You go drink out of the faucet. And a lot of us spiritually, emotionally and mentally are in deserts. So toilet water tastes very, very good. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you have something better, then you don't go there. And then on the religious side of things, I would say, I think, I mean, I can let Alyssa speak to it too, but I think the analogy I think of there is like a lot of Christians, um, the bad side of like purity culture or the bad side of just religiosity is kind of the picture of like getting married with no spouse, right? Like imagine if you went to a wedding and there was just one person at the altar, but they still went through all the, the, you know, the motions of like, here's the vows. You got a pastor up there. All these people came to attend. Let's cut the cake. Let's do all these things like that looks stupid, right? Because it's like, no, no, these are all the rules and things you do for a marriage. But at the end of the You're day, the key ingredient. There, <laughs> yeah, if it's not centered, if it's not centered on two people intimately becoming one, like a yeah. relationship, then all the rules look stupid. But if you have two people marrying each other, then all those rules and things that you do at a wedding are awesome. And so that's what I think I kind of we kind of talk about in the book is it's not necessarily that the rules are inherently wrong. It's just that if there's not intimacy at the center with mm-hmm. Jesus, then they become hard, rigid, hurtful and damaging. Yeah. yeah. Alyssa, let me ask you this, because your mm-hmm. backgrounds are so different. So, you know, the way you react to situations, the way you might handle money, the way you might handle conflict or fighting or how you were raised versus how Jeff was raised, you know, these things come up. How do you step back and say, I was raised this way, he was raised another way, there's some good and bad in both? How do we take our personal selves out of it? Because it feels so personal when someone's like, what are you talking about? Of course we're going to spend money this way. And you're like, but we never spent money that way growing up. Or of course we fight this way and I say Mm -hmm. these things. And you're saying, oh, well, we, you know, we deal with couples all the time where one people, you know, they talk about things in the open or they raise their voices and other people beat around the bush and talk around a subject, but never really quite hit it. And, you know, how have you guys brought both of your different backgrounds together to make this one marriage? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I I think any marriage has to work through that no matter if your stories are different or the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Because every different that you grow, every family you grow up in is different. And you have like a family origin and it's just like built into you. You don't realize it, but you're like growing up in this family and um, how your parents handled things is built into your DNA so much so that you don't even realize when you get married, you're like, you don't, it's not even really consciously be like, oh, this is how it should be. And then something mm. happens, you're like, oh, no, wait, that was just my family. And how can we now, as a new family, mm-hmm. yeah. what are we going to go for? And I think we're really, um, 
we walked a lot in through that our first year of marriage and even now at five years we're like walking through another layer mm-hmm. and um just I think being reminded of okay like being able to call it out and say oh this is how my family did it but we're a new entity mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. ask like having the conversation like what is important to you what do you value how should we handle this and your personality is different than mine how do we work together um just having that open communication and being able to understand it. Yeah. And sometimes having mentors to be like, okay, this is a, like a thing we're arguing about and we can't get through. Can you help us see Love that. Light into it or a new way that's mm-hmm. like totally different than how we both grew up. So for you, you just dropped the word that we love here at Rebel Parenting, mentors. So can you tell us a little bit about how you um, walked that out with your mentors? And the other thing you just shared to me was like the gospel about laying down your life and actually loving the person in front of you. I loved how you shared that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think mentorship, we talk a lot about it because I think it's so important Mm -hmm. and so vital for Mm -hmm. any person, regardless of if you're married or in a relationship or single you just need someone to talk to and to be a sounding board mm-hmm. and to like wisdom in each decision you make. Um, but in our marriage, I think it in any marriage, I think it's really important to have a couple that you both really trust and respect. And you're like, Hey, we want our family to look like this in 10 years. Tell us how to do it. Mm. But also, um, knowing that this is the couple that you both trust and that they are for your marriage. So if you do have an argument or there is something going mm-hmm. on, you both can go to them and you like, you know what I'm, it's just like trustworthy. You're not oh, for sure. just mm-hmm. like decide with one of, one of you or the other, but they're for your, your marriage. What mm-hmm. she's trying to say is don't make your parents your mentors. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's good. important good. though. Good it be is clear because yeah. we hear that happening. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. To have Some things your parents account. just don't need to hear. Yeah, you have to have like an objective third party, even mm-hmm. as good and healthy and beautiful and amazing and Christ-like as your parents might be. Yeah. And so I think, and one thing I'll add to that, which I love what Alyssa said, is the way I kind of land on it is just it would be incredibly idiotic and stupid for <laughs> someone to live 50 years and make a bunch of mistakes and then for you to come up behind them and not say, hey, can you give me a summary of those 50 years and you just do all the same things. That would – um that would just be ludicrous and ridiculous basically. And that's, we have that opportunity to let people go before us and then kind of hack our lives by asking them to direct us to where the landmines are. Mm. Here's the landmines in your twenties. Here's the landmines in your thirties. Don't step on these, maybe do this. Here's a better way to set up the vision for your family and your marriage. And I think that's just deeply, deeply important. And it's biblical. You know, Paul had a Timothy and Timothy disciples and like, it's just, we are created to pass on, uh, knowledge in a life experience way, mm-hmm. um, in a relational way, not just in spiritual formation. It's funny. We make discipleship like, you know, this one hour at Starbucks where you go through a workbook. You're done. All, like, all clean. All other, right. It's like, <laughs> like a little pill. Yeah. True. True. Discipleship is like true. Discipleship is man. I'm just going to come hang out with your family and see right. how you and a dad for, you know, a couple of weeks. And so, mm, that's um, real. yeah, yeah. And so that's the stuff that we just, we are so like our marriage is because of mentors, mm-hmm. uh, what we believe, what we live, the truth, the blessing that we've gotten in our marriage, all these things, like it's all from that. And so we're not, we're all in on like, you need to find that. Yeah. And I just want to add, because I think like growing up in the church, you know, I, I was so excited to get married and I felt like I had a lot of mentors. So like, this is what a godly wife is and so many books. But then when you actually get married, it's like, oh my gosh, 
okay, I know all Wait, this. Wait, I am selfish. I actually <laughs> respect my husband. How do I actually submit to him when this is happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think then you need a real life person to be like, okay, can you help me walk this out? And, yeah. um, and I think for men, like older couples too, no matter, I think a lot of older people, I feel like, feel like they have nothing to offer. Mm, Wouldn't yeah. be like you have everything to offer because you're 20 years down the line from us. Like even if your marriage has been rocky, you've learned so much from it. And so I want to learn from you. Oh. Well, um, and this especially is if it's been rocky. If you've been married for a bunch of years and you had a rocky marriage early on, I definitely want to talk to you. How'd you get to well, the yeah, rocky times? Say, How'd you stay together? That, yeah, a similar thing of like, I'm actually the person where I want to talk to the person who got divorced. Yeah, like you yep. know what I mean. Like I want to talk to yeah. the people like, like I want to like, and and I know some of, some of the most tender, beautiful souled people I know have walked through some horrible things in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it's ended up in divorce or it's been redeemed, but um. Yeah, it's not like I'm trying to go find a perfect person. I actually know that to some degree, God molds and shapes mm-hmm. and creates a sense of tenderness and beauty in someone's heart mm-hmm. um, when they walk through really hard things. And so I want to learn from that, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In fact, Jeff, you said it's, you know, discipleship isn't a one hour a week thing. And you reminded me, I've got a friend this happened a few years back, but I've known him for a long time. We've hung out many, many, many times. I would call it a mutual discipleship relationship. Uh and a few years ago, I was at his house for like, I don't know, half a day, three quarters of a day and experienced a completely different person around yeah. his wife, around his kids. I mean, totally. he yelled at his son at one point, And I remember thinking in a million years, I would have never imagined this situation. We had a lot of different conversations after that day because I, I realized I didn't really know him that well. It wasn't totally. really well, discipleship. Well, it's a two-way street where it's like, first of all, when you see them in their home, it lets you know if you actually want to be mentored by them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of people can give you the right stuff at Starbucks, right? A lot of people know theology. A lot of people know answers. But I actually don't. I just don't. The the older I get, I just don't care about that. I want to see, like, do your kids love you? Does your wife love you? Do they resent you because the job you have? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, do they, like, wish you never go out the door to, you know, that work or whatever? Like, I want to see that. And so for us, yeah, the closest married couple we have that's like mentors to ours, we've spent significant time with them in their home, actually living with them for seasons of time, um, talking with them on the phone, meeting with them, having meals together. And those are the interactions that actually shape you. And it's funny, it's not scheduled, right? Like one of the most transformative experiences we've had with them is, you know, they do like this rhythmic family uh, Shabbat meal every Friday. And it's like this, this big ceremony for their family where they bless the kids and they throw a big party and all these different things. And it's something as small as that where you're like, man, that was really profound to us to watch them do that as a family. But it wasn't like we like scheduled that into the book. It was just like we were having dinner with them and it happened to be that night of the week. Mm. And so um, it's stuff like that where it's like you got to be in people's lives. And it's the hard <laughs> part with the church is we don't like inviting people into our homes. We'll meet them at Starbucks. We'll meet them at church. But we don't want to invite them into our homes because that's messy. And we also probably know that a lot of stuff isn't lining up with what we're saying. And so and you can't really hide it in the home. Yeah, it's changed a lot. You know, and I think, listen, I'm older than you guys. So I'll go back to the 80s. And I think parents in the 80s, there was a lot of control going on. So when you went to someone's house, they had they controlled the situation. So it looked the way they wanted it to. And then behind closed totally. doors, it was a little different. You talk to a lot of millennial couples. Yes. We're reaching a lot of the millennial couples. What themes we're finding if you're not vulnerable, if you're not willing to share your own, you know, struggles, vulnerabilities, 
I'm not being listened to, and I understand that. I want to make sure the person I'm talking to is real as well. As you guys are out there talking to people, you know, with this book, are you finding any common themes among the younger generation of marrieds? Um, <clears throat> me and Alyssa both did that nonverbal look. Yeah, of like, nah. sure you did. I heard it. <laughs> yeah, who, who's going to answer this one? Um, what I would say is, yeah, I think there is a couple different themes. Mm-hmm. I think, ah. I think the one thing that's really sad, saddened us by a lot of responses, but also hopeful of this is why we wrote the book. Hopefully, it's a conversation starter. Is that the the that so many millennials weren't even coming from like a place of having a good example and then just throwing it away, kind of like maybe the prodigal son. It was more mm-hmm. like just my man. I've never heard this before. Of just like even just normal relational truth. And so I feel like there's, or I've never saw a really good example of this in the home. And so I think we're just realizing how starving millennials are for good truth about love, sex, dating, and marriage. And that that's the funny thing is like, I, I mean, we're in our late 20s, Alyssa's 30. We don't have much to offer. Like mm-hmm. we don't know what it takes to have a love that lasts, right? Yes. Like yeah. <clears throat> we're very open and honest about that. You know, to some degree I was joking where I almost, we tried to get the publisher to name the book Love That Last question mark because it's like, we have no idea. For you know? sure. That's um, but, I, but I do think that, but we're in this middle ground of like, ah, but I do think we've unlocked a little bit of like, Hey, we're just we're gonna follow mm-hmm. Jesus in these mm-hmm. things. And it's Amen. going to lead. It's going to lead to flourishing, and we've seen that five years in already. Even though it's small, in five years we've seen like, man, we're healthy. Like we trust each other. Right. Like we love each other. And there's still problems. There's still hardships. But I think it's only because we just said we're gonna make a commitment to follow Jesus in our marriage. So all that to say, I think that's the trend we're seeing. Is like, man, a lot of people just are like so not even. Um, starting at starting at ground zero so much with this and i think that's it makes us hopeful because i think the lord's taking the church and millennials mm-hmm. a direction but it's just kind of interesting to see that that is the trend for sure of like man our parents generation really like like uh, millennials get a lot of bad rap of like we're the ones just going to hell in a handbasket when it's like yeah, in, in reality and, and it's not like our parents were that either but i do <laughs> feel like there was a cosmic shift very much in our parents generation that yeah. is affecting us deeply you know, you go well, 60s, like 70s, divorce, 80s. Divorce became so popular. Cool. I mean, you can right. trace back to sexual revolution and then yeah. um, kind of like no-fault divorce. You know, th- these are like 60s, 70s, 80s ideas that we're actually now living with the fruit. And when I just mentioned in the last couple of minutes, that is that fruit. And so it's, yeah, it's really sad, but it's just interesting to think of, you know, that stuff affects us 40 years ago. For oh. sure. Well, here's the interesting thing. Coming from someone that's 47, I've been married for 12 years. When you said, hey, you know, we're only five years in, but we trust each other unpacking that statement is a big one because you've noticed you know subconsciously consciously that other couples five years in have an issue with trust they don't trust each other they're suspicious they're checking phones they're looking at the text in the middle of the night they're checking Facebook Facebook. they're looking at the search history you know all those types of things that's a big issue talking about trusting your spouse how to how to engage trust how to build trust how to tell the person you trust them how to Build trust once you've broken it. You know, all those types of things. You're like, you know, five years in, isn't that far? Yes, it is. Lots of marriages don't last five years. And the fact that you look at your wife and you go, I trust you five years in, that's a big deal. It's a great, it's a good example too. Well, thanks. Well, I really appreciate that. And I think you're right. I mean, I think that's something that we talk about in in the book of like, you know, you have this ability when Jesus is your anchoring point and Mm -hmm. your centering point, you have an ability to break relational cycles that usually happen when he's not yeah, right. when you're when you're living when when your identity is more in insecurity or it's more mm. in your spouse what or can it's i more get in, you heal me all these different things, yeah. then, 
then you just go in this you go in this revolving door cycle because when a when a false god um, hurts you, then you're going to be undone, right? Like you can't you can't survive that, and so then you lash out. You then try to be more controlling and manipulate. And notice too, right? Like when you see Israel, you know. Israel with the golden calf, even though they had Yahweh right up on the mountain, I think it's, you know, the reason they did that is because in, in my opinion, Yahweh was uncontrollable. The golden calf was controllable. Like mm. they, they made it. Right. It was, it was, it was yeah. manageable, manageable, something that they could mold and shape and craft with their own hands. And I think we sometimes do that in marriage. Mm. You, Alyssa, you, something you and Jeff talk about is this, I hear this concept about how maybe marriage isn't designed to make you happy, but it's designed to make you holy. Yeah. And I hear that. I want to ask it in a different way. I know it's not designed to make you happy, but I do think marriage was designed to, yes, make you holy, but also there's this intimacy and a connection and a relationship. I think the perspective of I should be happier because I'm married to the person I love is false and it heads us down the wrong path. Can you hit both of those? Because if we weren't, if we didn't want to be married to our spouse, holiness isn't really good enough to get married you know right. that's not really why i got i didn't get married to my wife to go you know what i really want to get a whole lot more holiness in my life i better find a wife <laughs> i did you know yeah no just kidding <laughs> but it's got to be the both and and it can't just be you should make me happy and if you don't that's what the problem is no that's so good and i'm glad you brought that up because yeah it's not like you're gonna just marry somebody and not be attracted to them, like not really enjoy them. And you're like, but God's going to make me so holy. I'm really like sacrificing myself by being married. <laughs> it's not like that at all. It's just that I think a lot of, especially millennials, we go, we're looking for love and we're looking for relationships. But if you think about it, the reason why you want it is to be happy, to be fulfilled. And I think it's just where the breakdown comes is instead of looking to Jesus to fulfill us and to be satisfied, like we have this God-given hole in us and we're all needing Him. But instead of realizing that, we're looking to human relationships mm-hmm. to fill that. Yeah. And so then you get married and you're both human and you're both um, sinners. And so you're going to disappoint each other. You're going to have faulty things and like hurts. Mm-hmm. Just be, no matter how awesome of a person you are or how trustworthy you're going to hurt each other just because we're human. And so realizing in those moments that, you know, and I think a lot of the times millennials then or people will believe this lie like, hey, I married you, but I'm not happy. So this must not be the right mm-hmm. thing for me. You're, you're, not, my you're not my soulmate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I or, hear that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a lot of divorce or, and so I think it's just talking on that. And in those moments, realizing, okay, this is an opportunity to really run to the Lord, to trust Him, to um, how do I show grace? How do I forgive? How do we, yeah. you know, work through these things? And I think when you are following the Lord and when you are finding your fulfillment in Him and you have a healthy relationship, then there is so much happiness. Like it's yeah, the best fruit. thing in the whole world. For sure. Um, but so they kind of go hand in hand. It's not really like a either or. Yeah. They really do hand in hand. Well, now I just keep thinking that a generation grew up looking to the culture to save them or to give them the resources of how to learn to forgive or how to extend Mm -hmm. grace. And we can't look to Netflix in order to teach us that. Or I can't even look to Facebook. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love how you just you guys are so grounded in Jesus. Get into a community of faith. Get clear about the gift you are and the gift people are in your life. Right. 
Yeah, yeah and I so. think that breakdown comes from just um, not having, you know, a father in the home or a mom yep. or you mm -hmm. have great parents, but they're not really parenting you. They're not shepherding your heart. And so then you do look to the culture or your friends or Facebook or movies. Um, and even if you do have a solid family, if you're still, you know, it's just being in the culture, those things get into your mind. For and sure. so happy to really like, okay, what does God say about that? Yeah. Not, you know, what does Grey's Anatomy say about that? Yeah. Or totally. we, don't want to know we don't want to know what McDreamy says about that. That's no. right. That's right. Uh, Jeff and Alyssa, thank thanks so guys. much for being on here. We love the book. We love your vulnerability and honesty and just that you're bringing real topics out there, talking about marriage in a real way. It's been such a great time having you here. Hey, well, thank you guys so much for having us. We really yeah. appreciated it. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, Rebels, we are out of time for today, but man, I had so much fun with Jefferson and Alyssa. And in fact, preparing for this broadcast, I went back and watched a bunch of Jefferson's videos, and now I'm finding it's fun to watch both of their videos together. Laura and I like watching, you know, what they're doing with their family, things like that. It was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you want more, you can always get their book, Love That Lasts. Don't forget, we are almost at year end. We need your support and donations to get into 2018. All of those are tax deductible, and you can do so at rebelparenting.org slash donate. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm on Facebook Live, Rebel Live at facebook.com slash Dobson. Current events and solid teaching from the Bible three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern at facebook.com slash Dobson. Love you, Rebels, and we will see you next week.